Hello, friends. Thank you so much for joining yet another episode of Share the Well. Uh, this dialogue is going to be between John Hanna and uh, myself. Uh, John and I have been good friends for the last, I'd say, about four or five years. But uh, in the last 12 to 14 months, I've really gotten to know John. John has recently taken a position uh, to kind of uh, minister to the elected officials in New Jersey, which is a unique kind of role that he's um, undertaken. So we really have, you know, send our blessings and our prayers to him. So John and I are going to discuss some key topics that are relevant. Um, the culture wars uh, are always raging, right? In any time point in history, if you take a look at it, there's always culture wars that are ongoing. And you probably heard of cancel culture by now and all of the effects of that, you know, whether you're on the liberal left or the conservative right, you know, these wars have been ongoing. But, you know, the... the um, share the well as a um, as a forum is really to bring all of the um, voices um, that are there without canceling one another, but rather listening deeply to one another. And if you follow the other episodes that we've had, uh, you've seen some opposing viewpoints and you know some arguments for and against. So we want to continue that same. Um, you know, kind of philosophy, and uh, you'll hear John. And by the way, John has written an article which you'll also find in the notes column. So check on the notes column his argument against some of the things that uh, have been written and some of the uh, stuff that has been written that has been accepted lock, stock, and battle without actually challenging the key premises on, on um, you know, um, some topics. So I'd encourage you to read the article if you really want to enjoy the dialogue between John and I. And we talk about, uh, you know, various uh, units uh, like marriage, uh, gender, and and how uh, the dialogue is raging. And uh, we need to listen keenly to one another and, uh, you know, kind of uh, look at opposing views and, um, you know, give the liberty to for people to have opposing views uh, and, uh, and not cancel one another, right? So that's our endeavor. Hopefully you like this dialogue. It's a little intense, um, so gear up for it. Um, and then hope uh, you will, um, you know, take something away from here. And if not anything else, you know, enjoy the dialogue. So take a listen and I'll catch you guys end of the episode. Hmm. It's pretty, it's pretty, it's, a, it's, um, it's pretty incredible, I think. It's an we're living in quite a time, mm-hmm. um, uh, but um, yeah. So, uh, so has kind of legislation taken on, right? It's trying to define reality, right? Of as you were saying, all these terms are they are are legislators trying to define that reality? You know, I mean, that's and that brings us to a bigger question, right? A bigger point. The point is, this is right. So there's, there's truth, right? There's reality as as governed by the transcendent and imminent God, who pervades all of it, who is its creator and sustainer, which then we um, sort of discover, we is revealed to us, we seek to conform to. So that's one way, right? 
here's the truth and I will tell you the truth. I will seek the truth. Let's seek it together. We may disagree about it, but at least we know what we're after. The other side basically is like, I, by virtue of my own will, my own power, will impose myself on, rea- on, tru- on, on reality. It'll be my, so my truth becomes, insepar- becomes the truth. And it's sort of this war of, 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 of words, right? Which is why language is so important, right? Basically, I will make, I will, by virtue of my employment of language, and then mandating that language, I will create reality according to my own will. In some sense, the word, <laughs> I through my words, mm. I mean, it is, it is an act of sovereignty. It is an act of, cre- of the exercise of the creative will. It is, I mean, to me, it's, it's one of, right? Sin expresses itself in a number of ways. We could say, what is sin is it's at its essence? It's pride, it's idolatry. But I think this is a particular, an expression of that, right? I will impose my will. I'm not a discoverer of truth. I'm not a recipient of truth. I'm a maker of truth by virtue of my the language that I employ, that I then mandate that others employ. Mm-hmm. And so before we go to the word of God um, uh, to kind of, to kind of uh, juxtaposition what's happening um, in, our, in our state, in our political reality, how is is this an affront to even the way the constitution or the framers of the constitution wrote about the vision of this country i mean, I, I think i think so in the sense of this is right so the idea of i mean it's interesting the first amendment has to do with speech and religion yeah right right these are the the most basic rights these are the liberties that make for a free society and so when you mandate reality and you mandate speech, then you are violating both of those. You're establishing a state religion and then you are um, sort of compelling speech that complies with that religion and you are forbidding anything contrary. Mm. So um, it's interesting that from a, you know, I think from a bringing cases to court standpoint, I. <laughs> You know, I think courts are because I, I don't I don't think they know how to deal with this. They think of religion as, you know, you go to church and you do this. But this is br- religion more broadly. This is defining the world. <laughs> um, and so, yeah, I think it goes it violates the basic freedoms, the liberties that are uh, set out in the Bill of Rights and particularly in the First Amendment. Yeah, actually, when I I was just pulling that up as, as you're talking, it says Congress Congress, the amendment, the no, First Amendment says, Congress shall make no law respecting an establishment of religion or prohibiting the free exercise thereof or abridging the freedom of speech or of the press or the right of the people peaceably to assemble and to petition the government for a redress of grievances. So I think there are multiple aspects to it. One's religion and exercising the religion free exercise right so it's uh you can you can kind of you know uh, impinge on the freedom there and abridging the freedom of speech right or of press so you can see that word free is no more free looks like yes it, and it's i mean one of the things the sort of the advocates of these this perspective that's kind of imposing itself it was they try to limit the free exercise of religion as you well you're free to go to your church 
and um, and sort of do what you want, say what you want. But once you come out of your church or your home, and I'm not even sure how much they want that, that freedom in the home or the church either, but let's just say that, at least for now they're saying that, then you sort of have to comply. But that was not, that's, that's very, that is a very different perspective than, um, than the framers or the, 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 this nation was founded on. The point is that you could come out publicly and live your life in accordance with your beliefs or with your conscience. And that cannot be infringed, right? Mm -hmm. It wasn't a matter of you have to hide it behind closed doors, but once you come out into the public sphere, then, um, then now you have to comply with these other beliefs. Um, and so, yeah, I, I think the, the argument is there to be had. Um, and I think it's, it's obviously as I'm advancing it and sort of stating it, I think it's a, it's a very sound and it's a sound and, and it's, 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 a, it's an argument that I think is fair and, and that what's happening now is contravenes the First Amendment. Yeah, and is, it's, it's almost pressure to comply based on kind of cultural pressure, right? Though I know they're legislating some of these things to to be the, you know, we, we probably heard a lot of cancel culture, right? You want to cancel anybody who does not agree with you. And that's been happening now quite a bit. I don't think it's ever, it's never been there. It's always been there, I guess, but it's become much more prominent now, right? So, and the consequences of cancel culture is like felt, you know, more broadly and more deeply now than anything else. The, so the, the legislation, what it is, but you're still going to be ostracized, right? For for saying something that is probably not, you know, it's it's not uh, illegal to say, it, but you will still be, you know, banged up for it, right? Yes, and so in some respects, or the law is following culture. So the the cancel culture is not, whereas you were absolutely right, Ronald. It's not illegal. Uh, sort of, it's not confined to the legal realm. It's not even really mostly the legal realm. It's really out in society. And so these are norms um, and values and truths and morals even, although they don't use this word, but it's true, like, mm. that are being imposed where if you belong to, even though it's not legally mandated, in order to belong to society, in order to function, in order to work, in order to be a, a good person, <laughs> then you must have this set of beliefs and you must believe these things and you must speak in this way it's 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 on some level the the way societies have always functioned mm -hmm. um uh, uh but i think it's 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 maybe part of there's two things one is the um the 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 nature of the claims that are being made <laughs> Um, but also, too, I do think that this is there's an and the word Puritanism has been used. I mean, and, and I think that's, you know, we can setting the Puritans aside, but there is a there's almost a demandingness here. It's a very it's a very rigid ideology. It's it's if you if we where you, you and I both come from from uh, countries that have basically state have identities in their in their souls of a religious identity, there be Islam or Hinduism. But 
there is a sense in which it's it's it is not a twenty four seven as you walk around like you're um but you're still sort of free to be yourself. There isn't this constant um, watching over speech, making sure that you're being a good Muslim or being a good Hindu at all times. Obviously, those dangers are there. We know the stories, but uh, but you can work and not be a Hindu, and you can work and not be a Muslim. You also you can also lose your job. There are there are you there there's that, but there's a sense in which. Um, I think part of it has to do with the, with the media environment there and that we live online, that every that there's a monitoring of everything that we say, of everything that we do has some sort of record or imprint on the internet. But there, there does seem to be almost this this demand for for conformity that is above and beyond the norm, not only of the West and free so-called free societies, but really societies in general. Yeah, it you know when I when we look at countries that are you know kind of governed by the state that state mandates behavior I think it's increasing by the day right and there are different formats that you can get it right you can get it through you know uh, ideologies like communism you can get it through heads of states that are powerful enough that kind of stay in you know, power for a long time, or, you know, as a state having a particular kind of religion that, you know, that you cannot, I can take it, for example, Pakistan, right? It's the, the state mandates that anything spoken against the religion or the, you know, the, 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 the profit of that religion uh, is going to be, you know, it's going to be prosecuted. Right. Right. So, so there are some examples like that. Yes. That exist. And I think it's just growing. And you wouldn't expect that in the United States, you would come to a point where there's an ideology that's kind of driving a similar, I'd say, framework. Right. Yeah. I, I don't know if I'm interpreting this as an extremist, but you know, I don't know what your thoughts are. No, I, I think that's and what's one of the things, though, that this ideology does is that it denies that it's doing the thing that it's doing. Right? In mm. Pakistan, mm -hmm. it's saying, this is our religion and you have to follow it. And this is our prophet here. It will it, it, it embedded. So it's, there's a sense of of, um, of a demand of conformity. But one of its tenets is we're not a we're not doing that. <laughs> uh, we are advancing freedom. We're advancing diversity. We're advancing uh, tolerance. Where, meanwhile, I think to anyone who's not a um, who is not compliant with the very thing that's being claimed, it it I think reasonably feels like the exact opposite. Mm. So it's yeah. like it's we're advancing um, freedom and open mindedness, even as I think it's really a demand for rigidity and closed mindedness. Uh, and so that's just a fascinating aspect of it um, that makes it yeah. more slippery. Um, it will admit, uh, it will never ad admit the very thing that it's doing. It will accuse you for resisting. And you and I, if you resist, then you will be the one who is being intolerant and, and, and imposing your religion and, and all of these things that it seems apparent to me and to a lot of people, <laughs> mm. 
that mm. that's exactly what's happening on the other side. And especially when you again you bring it into the schools and now you're teaching it. Yeah. yeah. Um, and it's not about right. So the school thing is not about how you treat others. It's just not because uh, because all of that's already in the schools. Harassment, bullying, intimidation, all that. That's already those things are there. This is about having conforming to a particular set of beliefs that now we're going to be part of the curriculum. And this is what it means to be a, a moral, educated, good person in, at least for now, the state of New Jersey or in the United States of America. Hmm. Yeah, fascinating. So, you know, I, uh, one of the words that we were dis discussing earlier with friends was tolerance, right? Tolerance, <laughs> it's been given a new definition, right, right now, is that if you don't stay within the lane of the definition, right, as defined by culture, you're going to be intolerant. Um, like you said, right? So this is my definition of my term or whatever it is, right? Gender, um, you know, uh, sex or whatever. If you don't agree with this, you're going to be basically intolerant. Right. You, 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 you're ostracized, you're, you're bigoted, right? In terms exactly. of the way you see it. Exactly. And so that has to, so there's an irony there because tolerance, the way I think the ordinary historic definition is how you treat someone who differs. Correct. Uh, this has to do with conform, conformity to a specific, holding a specific set of beliefs. And then if somebody doesn't hold those beliefs, then they are subject to being mistreated or being ostracized. So it's almost like it's the, it's almost the reversal of, of again, it's the inversion of the word. Uh, now, again, sort of there is, you know, so, in some sense, this ideology, there, there is some sense, there's this sort of, if you look back historically, there is this idea of repressive tolerance. Yeah. So, uh, but again, that's uh, that's different. And so there's, which we, you and I are just, just talked about, sort of if somebody is from is from a certain perspective and they are subject, to, it's almost a demand that they be mistreated, that they be ostracized, that they be eliminated because they are advancing something harmful that they are op op advancing so-called oppression. Um, and so that's the mindset. Um, and it's, it's uh, and when that kind of mindset takes hold pervasively on a societal level, um, then I think we, you start to deal with what we are now uh, seeing because it can become very, it can become stifling. Um, and it has no, and I think the problem is it has no, there's no, it has no limiting principles, <laughs> has no, uh, um, it has no, um, it's like, it's sort of, it's, it's belief in, in, is simply in advancing itself constantly and, and just sort of, you know, to the extent that it can take over space or lead or the law or any place it can take over. It's just this, and everyone must comply. Right. But the, the, I think it's it's going to happen. Uh, it, you know, we're not very far away from, you know, what we what we have as the acts or the bills that you know people are proposing, right? So it's, it's not very far away from this becoming quote unquote the the overarching, you know, um, rule of law, where every organization, um, you know, <laughs> you know, complies. We'll, we will we will wait and see if you know if the if the Lord allows us to break through and re you know actually go back right even forget the word of God even go back to the First Amendment 
it's a fascinating thing. I mean, the one thing is, um, you know, we rest on is the Lord is God. Um, and is he giving up a nation to its will? And, you know, sort of it's kind of, but even within that, I will build my church and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. He is king, he is master. What is intended for evil, for evil be used for good. He will draw this big disciples of all nations through through this. How he will do it, it's a mystery. We will, we pray, we pray against what I believe are unjust laws, ultimately that are that destroy the minds, the bodies, and souls of children, because they're the ones who are defenseless to this, and they're the ones who are being um, sort of targets of of this now as we see this come to kindergartners but it, you know but through it all i will again the lord is what does faithfulness look like i guess is one of the questions for us right what is what does faithfulness look like and christians disagree and i think we have to give room to give space for different perspectives and i think christians have a hard time with that everyone feels that his approach must be everyone else's approach <laughs> Mm -hmm. um, and I'm not a subscriber to that. I, I approach it the way that I approach it. I, I don't necessarily, I think that the set of beliefs that we hold are, we need to confess them and we need to not give them up. Otherwise we've given up who we are. We have nothing to offer the world, but how we negotiate that is I think there needs there is room and we strengthen each other by listening to each other while even having disagreements and giving each other space to genuinely disagree as believers. Um, you know, um, but I, I I don't subscribe to the idea of um, well if you shouldn't talk about these things because these get in the way of the gospel. And and one answer I have and it's you know maybe has a little bit of an edge to it is I'm confident that. You know, I, if I stand before the Lord and I have to sort of give an account, I may have to give an account for many things. I fall short in many ways, but I don't believe that having spoken to uh, defend children from having their development um, harmed and suppressed and manipulated is going to be something that I'm going to have to answer for. I, I, I'm, I, I rest easy in my conscience of that. And I'm my, the other side yeah. of that, and again, this is the edge, is maybe having been silent would be something that when I knew better would be something that I might have to give an account for. Again, I don't impose that on others, but that's my persuasion. No, it's, it's great. You know, um, I think we've seen that in um, pressing times, right? Um, when we go back, you don't have to go back too far, right? I mean, um, uh, we can go back to the Second World War, right? When people had to stand up to you know, in some sense, authoritarian government, right? Um, we've also had in our history in this country, right, where presidents and people have stood up against systemic, uh, you know, challenges, right? Uh, yeah. Slavery, for instance. Um, the ideology of slavery has not gone, right? Which, <laughs> which still remains. But I think that's more rooted in who we are, because we're looking for differentiation, right? Um, I mean, I can remember back in India how I was discriminated based on my color. So it's uh, it's there in humankind yes. to compare and to look down anything that doesn't fit the mold of what 
a person considers as good, right? Mm-hmm. So I think that 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 trouble is a, a little more deeper. But I agree with you that we we have to speak up our conscience. Right? Let's not bind our conscience. Anything that binds our conscience is is dangerous to then be seared by it. Yes. yes. Right. Uh, we we can't compromise because God has set us free and free of our conscience. I think it says in Hebrews chapter nine, if I'm right, uh, and verse ten or eleven, it says we, He has freed our conscience from dead works into service for Christ. So mm-hmm. we we can't we can't keep quiet. Definitely. Cool. So. Um, when did all this begin? I mean, this journey for you, I know it, you know, uh, is, is God willing leading you into something that you want to kind of do full time, right? Uh, but when did all this begin in your heart, kind of God moving you? Is it school? Oh, you mean just sort of, so you're talking about more recently? Yeah, yeah, um, yeah, yeah. Yeah, so maybe before, I don't know. Yeah, so I, I, you know, I think that. Well, I guess, right, where, where, you know, you can always, there's longer versions of a story, there's different starting Take points, and so there's Take freedom here. So I think that, um, you know, I, uh, if I could just give a very quick history, right? So I grew no, up, go I for it, go in, for it. grew up in a, in a believing home, but not in a, I guess, right, we immigrated, so I'm in a, from an immigrant family, we were, we, uh, you know, we came to the United States, we actually attended a, um, a Coptic Orthodox Church, um, although my my parents were evangelical in their faith, but for various reasons that I won't get into, we ended up there. Uh, but by the time I went away to college, I had no faith at all. Um, college, law school, and then finally, sort of, I started to awaken spiritually in my twenties. God started to prick at me. Um, Anyway, so, so somebody could see that I was wrestling and, and gave me a copy of C.S. Lewis, Mere Christianity, and I just devoured it. And I just sort of came to the realization that, you know, I just sort of dawned on me. Just, I, you know, I think it was the work of the Holy Spirit. You know, Jesus mm-hmm. is Lord and God raised him from the dead, and that's the truth about everything. It's like, I can see, I can see. Like, I was like, wow, this is amazing. And, but but then I think for a number of years, you know, sort of that there's that initial burst of, of enthusiasm and just just joy. All you can see is just joy. It's just um, and then you know, I got married shortly thereafter at our first child. I was a lawyer at the time and I found myself sort of falling into a, a lukewarm Christianity. Suddenly, I was just sort of like not suddenly, but slowly, actually. And I didn't like I, I that. Um, by God's grace, I repulsed that. I repelled that. I didn't want that. I was like, this is not what I wanted. So I could have had a sort of a, you might say, almost like a, a spiritual breakthrough. And from that point then, and I started to read voraciously. Um, and I think what I sort of became like, uh, sort of like, see all of life through, the, you know, Christian worldview, see all of life and the world through the lens of, of, of Christ and so on. And... Um, and I think at that point, then I started to become interested in, you know, I could see what was happening in the culture. I started to become interested in these issues. Uh, so I started to just engage in various ways. And I wrote a letter to when a, 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 one of our major law journals in New Jersey took the position that if you were against same-sex marriage, you were a bigot, like a segregationist, like you were racist, like that kind of person. This was in 2002. I wrote a half-page sort of, response and they printed it 
um, and um, you know, and then I so I started to, and the thing is, you went. It's by it's really by doing that you learn. Right? It's only you can have all sorts of ideas, but you learn. You learn. You learn what people think, what they don't think, what 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 can you hone your own perspective, uh, especially as you get opposition and people you know yell back at you and so on. So I would say that it was really. And I think if I make if I make the broader point here, which I think is important, why did I talk about? I mean, there's a lot of reasons I talked about these issues, but what I saw was in the argument, let's say for same-sex marriage, two two things that were went to the heart of what it is that's vital. One is the, the embedded in the argument for same-sex marriage at the time was the Christian understanding of marriage or of sexuality was bigoted and hateful. That was you know, if you believe in man-woman marriage, then marriage as the union of the two sexes, then you are you are no different from the segregationists. When I felt, and I was compelled, I felt like that needs to be challenged. Because to me, it wasn't about what people are allowed to do. I'm, no, I'm not interested from a legal standpoint about preventing people from living how they want to live and giving their inheritance or being visited in the hospital. I have no interest in, man, in imposing, in limiting that. Right? So I'm not trying to control people's behavior as we often are accused of. I just saw something very vital at stake. And now we were having embedded in our law and our culture, this faulty statement. First of all, tying race and sexuality as if they're inseparable. That's a falsehood that, that gets that. And so the other, that's the other part of it is hum, it got, what is a human being? How do we know who we are? What defines us? Right, externally, internally, our desires are are we defined by our desires? Are we defined by our sexual desires? Are we um, are, is is saying having a moral perspective on sexuality the same as 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 dividing people up according to race? Well, I think these are two very different categories of personhood. Right, um, sex is a morally and behaviorally meaningful category, subject to moral perspective by anyone and everyone. Um, race is the problem with treating people according to race is it's incidental to personhood. There's no difference to read to to treat a brown man from you know a man with brownish skin from a man with pinkish skin or whatever I don't know whatever hue that is. There's just it's it's irrelevant. Um, and it, and so it's it's a degradation of humanity. So I saw that in these um, cultural skirmishes, not about what people are allowed to do or or even calling people out for their sin. I wasn't interested in that, right? I, I was interested in really the, what was underneath it was what is a human being? Hmm. What makes us human? What is good? What it means to live well as a human being? And then related to that then, as I said, I saw humanity being defined and then I saw this particular blessing that God had created, which was a gift to all creation, which had been celebrated by all cultures, all societies throughout all of history, which is the union of male and female, reflecting God and his people. That was being targeted as, as evil, as bigoted, as hateful. So that was really the genesis of all of this, Donald, if that makes mm. sense to you. No, it makes sense. Makes sense. Yeah. Um, it's fascinating to see that you know those definitions, right? Um, that have, you know, been there for for centuries and um, even thousands of years. Um, 
And because there's a connection to the word, to the Bible, as it defines it, mm-hmm. um, do you think that the ultimate battle is kind of there? Yes, absolutely. So, I mean, I think is so I just got um, done reading <laughs> the, the Rise and Triumph of the Modern Self. It's a book by one of my former professors from seminary, Carl Truman. He was at Westminster now. He's at Grove City College. He's a professor, undergraduate college professor. But he, his, he there, he documents how you could see over the last, let's say, 200 plus years that the Christian understanding of and the biblical understanding of humanity and sexuality were considered the enemy, that we will never be free until we get rid of this. So this isn't, you know, there's a sense in which it became sort of in, you know, say in the 60s and after the 60s and even more recently, you know, over the last 10, let's say 20 years, it's become very culturally mainstream. But really philosophically and ideologically and um, sort of from a thought standpoint, this has been a very long battle. Mm. And, and And so I think the interest is, not only overturning in society this view, but really getting inside the church <laughs> and um, having it, sort of overturning that truth, these truths, which are which are really according to the word of God, <laughs> and not um, and really pervade. I mean, these are truths that that are, are Genesis to Revelation truths, right? Human beings are male and female image bearers. Um, and, you know, so, yeah, so this is really the contention is my concern is as much as I want to, again, I believe there are certain issues that we are called to speak to as a matter of what is just in our, our society, just as people have historically spoken up against um, the mistreatment of people according to racial lines, where now the laws are embedding, have embedded in them mistreatment of people, the, 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 uh, diminishing of one's humanity as a matter of legislation. So I believe that there's a place, to, there's a place to stand here. But I think my, my, what I see is because we always absorb the ideas from the culture around us. Yeah. We can't, we, we can't help it. We live in the world. And so unless and until the church stands up and says, it's clear and says, this is who we are. And this is who we are not. And this is what it means to be a Christian. And this is what it does. Mean. We, and, but we're not drawing these in order. This is not our being defensive. We're not afraid. But we stand on the authority of Christ. Um, for he is the king. And we bow to him. But he is the king of the nations. So in the sense is we commend him. <laughs> we declare Jesus as Lord. And we are servants. His servants. But we are his servants for your sake. Right? Um, we are his servant for your sake, right? Because the fact of the matter is when you war against God and you war against reality, you war against your very own body, your very own genetic makeup as a human being, you will suffer. And ultimately you will, you will, you will engage, you will be an agent in your own self-destruction. And so there's a sense in which there's a place, there must be a place of refuge that people come to for freedom and for rescue and for deliverance. And what is the battle right now with Trajan is to make, is to, is to destroy that refuge, <laughs> is to, as much as possible, make sure that that refuge does not exist. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So 
I think historically, you know, if um, this is my little, little bit of my reading around history, we have, we meaning the church, and there could be different flavors of this word church, right? So I'm not really referring to the true bride of Christ across the world, but I'm talking of sometimes just human organizations which brand themselves as church have have perpetrated atrocities right. in the name of God, right? So whether it's the, um, you know, in the olden times, it was the, was that the, they, they went all the way to Jerusalem, right? Killing crusades. Yeah. Or whether in the South, uh, you know, of the, of the United States, you know, slavery, perpetrating slavery based on, you know, churchianity, not really Christianity. But we we have some history that kind of abets the, you know, the, or fuels this passion to dismantle, quote unquote, mm -hmm. that kind, right? I mean, that that's an excuse, essentially, because our Lord died for his enemies <laughs> if there's if there's any truth to the any reality to that kind of truth you know the bible itself destroys that kind of christianity or churchianity right uh, but we we have a bad rap right but that bad rap we carry and that's pretty much quoted right in in some of these defenses that we need to demon you know we need to destroy these kind of bigots yeah and so the sins of the church are cataloged um, sometimes, yeah, I think obviously they're, they're there and that, that I think the, so, right, because we're sinners, you can almost take any, any good gift of God, any goodness, right. And mm. find examples of it being twisted, it being manipulated, it being under, you know, it being distorted, mm. but, but that doesn't then call, that doesn't then eliminate or, or call into question the goodness of the gift itself. It's the, right, it's the, right. Abuse of, the abuse of something good doesn't make the thing itself not good. And and really, if, and this is where I think sort of the, the war of words that's around us, people will generally take the sins, quote unquote, or, or true sins of the side they want to sort of eliminate or oppose, and, and then we will sort of cover over and deny the sins of, of my team or, or my tribe or whatever. Now, for us, we are free before God and before man to confess freely our sins. We, we do not hide. We are not afraid of the truth. Uh, because, um, but at the same time, it doesn't, as you put it, the Lord of truth came into such a world where his own people the people, so in the scriptures, right? The scriptures, we know the scriptures. They're not a clean book. They're not a book that covers over uh, the sins of God's people. Um, and so, as as um, as Paul says, let judgment begin with the household of God. And so, there's a sense in which we need to be refined. We need, but where will we? Like in some sense, it, where will we find redemption? Where will we find forgiveness? Right. Let he who is without sin cast the first stone. So we do not deny. And may the Lord forgive us. And to the extent that his name is blasphemed among the nations because of us, then we have much to repent of. And we are joined together with our Christian brothers and sisters across time and space. And we 
um, stand together in as, as, as sort of the lead repenters. But all of that assumes Christianity is, you know, that, that uh, you know, as you may notice, I'm speaking in Christian verb in verbiage. Uh, where will we find a hope in such a world? And if you think that getting rid of, you know, as, as there's, a, there's a columnist for the New York Times and in Ross Douthat, and he has this little pith, pithy phrase, he's a committed Catholic, uh, grew up evangelical, um, you know, is a committed uh, Christian in the historic uh, sense. So he goes, he, he says, if you don't, if you didn't like the Christian right, wait till you get a hold of the post-Christian right. Uh, you know, <laughs> if if you think just value, you know, sort of emptying the Christian aspect from a movement or from a, a political ideology or from a society is going to make it better, you are you are mistaken, <laughs> because it, even as it gets distorted, the leavening, <laughs> to the extent that it's there, is doing good. Um, and I think that's what we're feeling now in our society is there was this leavening and and sense of justice and and there was you know that was not you know it's not a matter of Christian America. But there's this influence that has that has that was kind of put into our origin and has always pervaded our history and that people who are not Christian have actually benefited from and relied on. Um, and, and to the extent that that diminishes and ultimately dissipates, if the Lord should will, <laughs> then the effects of that we are feeling now, and I think will just only increase. Yeah, the... So going back to the discussion around schools and the philosophies and ideologies now that the schools are, you know, accepting, when was, when, when, I think the schools were, kind of had some sort of Christian, at least tokenism, right? At some point, when did that, when was that kind of uh, driven out. I don't know. When you were in school, did you kind of say the prayers, or you know, is, no, or, no. So that was the forties or fifties, sixties. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I think. Well, no. There was a sort of a, a major Supreme Court decision in the sixties, having to do with school prayer that kind of forbid it. Mm. Um, it was interesting to me, sort of. So when we we spent three, my family spent three years in the UK, between mm. the United States and Egypt, and there I remember praying in school. Um, and, and singing overtly Christian songs, Christmas, and um, but then when I came here, there wasn't any of that. Mm. Um, so we grew up, but I think there was a. Um, so we had no, um, we didn't have we didn't have any of that. But but that wasn't um, obviously there was things that were made fun of, and there was like you know, as as a matter of society, right? Like um, right. But in terms of, but there was no impulse or imperative within the schools to teach against uh, right. Christian moral norms or sexual moral, moral norms. I would think that there was a transition going on probably by that time in the 70s and 80s uh, where where at least the societal structures, even if they weren't overtly Christian, were sort of upholding a certain ethos. Mm. I think probably the 70s and 80s were transition time where there was like a, like a free-for-all. It was just sort of hedonism and just do whatever you feel like. And uh, sort of this, you know, sort of sense of if it feels good, do it. So there wasn't, but there was, so there was no teaching against anything, but there wasn't an encouragement to some sort of moral form, formation. Um, and then we started to see in the nineties, 
sort of this kind of, um, uh, I guess, for, you know, I don't even like, because it's such a, a word, you know, political correctness is, is a word that people use, but that's where you see the, it emerges. But I think with that, then there was a sense of, of correcting for wrongs and teaching um, and where now the, the bad was the repression or the oppressive. And that's suddenly where, where I would say Christianity then sort of becomes targeted on some level. The villain, right? right. Although I would say that I felt, I guess as a citizen, as a pastor even, I felt like some people point to 2014, right? In the early 2010s, I, mm-hmm. you know, obviously all of these ideas had now really been percolating. I mean, same-sex marriage emerged in the 2000s and, and took hold and, and during the first decade of this century. And, you know, and, and um, there was all sorts of, and there was the new atheism where it's like Christianity stupid and, and, and the, there was sort of this aggressive push against Christianity also in the first decade of, of the 2000s. And so the cultural battle was very, very hot already. Right. But I felt that suddenly, um, you know, I felt like, oh, man, we are now at a point where now being a Christian is, um, is bad. <laughs> um, or it's, it's dangerous, or it needs to be eliminated. Um, and that was probably in the last you know, 10 years or so. Mm-hmm. Yeah, great, great historical time frame there. As you describe, and for me, it's like uh, it's giving me a summary of you know where where we have been in the world. It's um, you start to think about um, you know marriage as a basic institution of society and population, right? Um, population increase. I mean, it's the I'd say the foundation, fundamental building blocks of any society is you know it's kind of a family. Right. Um, then you kind of go to the, that that redefinition. As Christians, we take all of our re, all of our reality from the Word of God. Right. Um, we we take that. And second would be who you are as a human being. And I think you spoke about that. Right. As a person. Uh, and so there's uh, there's dialogue and debate and even you know, firefight around that particular dialogue, you know, sorry, that particular definition. Who are you as a human being? Uh, you know, the the construct of gender, the construct of, you know, um, sexuality, whatever that is. So there's a firefight there. So there's a firefight around, you know, family. And, you know, then it's really a, it's a firefight around worldview. Right? It, it really is a firefight around worldviews because some of this, not some of this, all of this we derive out of the word. And um, it's going to continue, I guess. I, I don't think there's going to be a let up of this one. Yeah, and this is where um, it's interesting you to bring it back to this issue of what is a human being. And this is where, um, you know, uh, that article that I had published. Yes. Gospel Coalition. Yeah. Right? And it's like, what makes us, so the writer wants to talk about our shared humanity, but what, what is that? Where do we find that? And sort of, and what's happening now is sort of what defines us is sort of these identity categories having to do with race and um, 
gender and sexuality, but then it's like, well, then there's this, this sort of the oppressor and the oppressed and, 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 um, and these are constructs um, that are um, become defining. So if you are in sort of in the sort of the oppressor category, you know, of being a male and being heterosexual or being white or being Christian even, then you are, you know, you have a, a, a collection of oppressor categories. And if you're not, if you're in the in whatever is not the, one of those, then you are oppressed. And that kind of tells you who you are. And um, that's not, um, that there's something very, very diminishing of, and ultimately false about these resting human identity in in from that perspective it almost it's almost it would take a while to even unpack what's wrong obviously then there we don't have a shared humanity there is a collection of identity categories that we have given uh, meaning based on how people have behaved or how people have treated one another and and what's interesting is if 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 i have an identity that let's say is based on oppression then on some level i need I need to find oppression around me in order to hold on to the meaning of my identity. Because if the oppression is gone, or if I can't, if I don't feel oppressed, then who am I? Thank you, friends, for listening into that uh, conversation. And John and I will continue next week um, to kind of wrap up that discussion. I think it's a very important question that John asked in the end, right? Who am I? And, uh, you know, human is being redefined. And I I don't think this is the, you know, recent phenomenon, right? We have had these discussions rage through history, um, right from when history was recorded to kind of really understand what is the composition of man? Is man created? What are the components of a man? You know, uh, and and why do we need, you know, these social structures that have been established? Uh, people who believe that there is a God, people who do not believe there is a God. And these units have been uh, really under scrutiny for all of history, if I uh, remember, you know, in terms of reading. Um, but these days, uh, with social media amplification, these have become much more louder for us to kind of listen into people's point of view. And if you have a social media account, you have an opinion and all opinions count. And so the, the, the voices and the noises that exist in the system is kind of overwhelming. So I can only understand if you are in the midst of these wars and you know you really don't have a point of view on these or you don't have your own kind of formed up views on it and i wouldn't blame you because there's so much happening hopefully that's been a that's been a good um dialogue you know we'll look forward to presenting to you the second half of this dialogue next week uh until then if you have any comments feel free to drop them in our website or in the platform that you stream your podcast otherwise just enjoy the conversation have a wonderful weekend and uh, blessing <laughs>